Hey guys, thanks for tuning us in for this 28th episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests for this episode include Coda Kern of Chamomile and Whiskey, director Ken Quampus, comedian and psychic Artie Hoffman, and Olympic gold medal figure skater Scott Hamilton. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, or leave some feedback. Our first guest is Coda Curl of the band Chamomile and Whiskey. We'll be talking about the new single and video that are already available and a new album that's releasing October 30th. Uh, Chamomile and Whiskey. I even asked him how to pronounce it before we uh, before we started this, and I still, epic failure is uh, it's what I do the best. Uh, Chamomile and Whiskey, we've got uh, on the line with us, uh, we've got Coda from Chamomile and Whiskey. And Coda, first off, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, now, Coda, tell us a, a little bit. I I was looking at the at the backstory of the group, and it's better off if you tell it than me. <laughs> yeah, well, we um, you know, uh, we started the band I guess nine years ago now. Um, uh, we're you know out of Nelson County, Virginia. We've been based out of Charlottesville, um, and you know made it made a couple records. We've been touring for a long time, and uh, you know I guess it was last year. We had gone through some lineup changes, and it was time to make a new record. So we we had um, been contacted by Ken Coomer. Uh, he used to play the drums for Wilco, Uncle Tupelo, um, and he had, you know he wanted to produce our new record. So we you know we spent a lot of last year down in Nashville um, cutting the record with kind of our new lineup, it's a little bit more, a little more electric, a little more on the like kind of southern rock, alt country route, um, and uh, and yeah, so it's kind of cool to have a. You know, a new record coming out that represents the, the the new lineup of the band. And what's what's the hardest part when you get new lineup, new members? I know it, I know it happens all the time in, in groups, but how long of a transition period is there for the formality or or the comfortableness to 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 to, to breed itself out, if you will? Well, you know, I, I think it, I think it depends. You know, I mean, for a while there, we kind of had a different bass player every year, <laughs> um, but. You know that, like you know, filling it depends on kind of who you're replacing. I mean, the big thing that was a difference for us was our buddy Lavin, who is from Ireland, he used to play the banjo with us and write some of the songs. He had kind of uh, decided he wanted to go back to Ireland. I mean, it was nothing. Uh, it was nothing personal. You know, no issues that way. But um, so that was kind of a big move for us because we lost some of the songs that we had, and he had such a unique style. Um, so instead of trying to replace him. We decided to add a guitar player instead because we didn't really think it, he's such a unique character. We didn't think anybody could really. We didn't need someone doing trying to do what he did. We just thought we'd kind of take things in a new direction, and so it actually wasn't as hard as we thought because a lot of the songs that I was writing that wound up on this new record, they all kind of lent themselves more to a kind of a heavier sound, anyways. And it just kind of we just kind of let the let things kind of take their course as opposed to trying to force anything. And I think that made it easier for us. And with the way the music scene is today, Coda, I mean, uh, the, the not so much genre-specific music out there anyway. What what genre would you uh, would you classify yourself as? Man, I've been doing this for a living for a, a while now, and I still can't figure out how to answer that question. I'd pro- we'd probably be better off if I could, but um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I would I would say I don't know something maybe like. Uh, I think that in one of the things I saw recently, they called it deep roots rock. I don't know, maybe like rowdy Americana is a term we've used before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, we, we mix Southern rock and country and with a little bit of, you know, kind of folk and 
we used to put a little more Irish in there. There's not a lot of Celtic influence on this record, but it's just kind of each song kind of sometimes feels different to me. But uh, yeah, I probably should have a more catchy catchy phrase answer for that but I figured it out. <laughs> now now coda where did be where, where where did music come from where did it initiate in your life well my my dad was a songwriter um and he didn't really play out much or anything but he wrote a lot of songs and so there was always guitars and pianos kind of laying around the house and he was always listening to you know bob dylan and john prine and you know great songwriters like that neil young and so it was kind of around a lot as a kid, and like I messed around a little bit, but I really didn't get serious about it until I was in high school. You know, I was like, I was really into acting, and I would do a lot of musicals and stuff, and and then I would go to parties, and you'd see like there'd be a guy at the fire playing a guitar and singing a song, and you really seemed to you know get a lot of attention from the pretty girls. So it's kind of like, yeah, maybe I should, I should, <laughs> I should try to start doing that, and you know, it just kind of. Once I started playing, it just kind of made sense, and I, I just I I went up dropping out of college when we got a record deal, and it just kind of was. I loved uh, I loved everything about playing music. You know, I, I loved writing the songs and, and playing, but I also just love the whole scene and just meeting other musicians, and you know, the whole everything that comes with it just kind of suited me. So I, I really have been doing it pretty seriously since I was probably nineteen or twenty at this point. Um, so it's been a while, but. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's been, you know, my, my whole adult life basically has been, music's been the main thing I've got going on. And, and, and Coda, for you, this, this year is, uh, obviously unlike anything we've seen. And obviously we, the, the music community hit this week with, uh, the legendary guitarist. I mean, anybody that ever dreamed, aspired, or touched a guitar since the late seventies, early eighties, Eddie Van Halen was one of the tops. And for, for you, Coda, I just want to give you a chance. What, 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 uh, what, what you felt when you heard the news? Yeah, it was, it was like another hit, man. It's like, I feel like we've lost so many great musicians recently. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, Eddie Van Halen was, I, I'm not much of a shredder. I wish that I was, but, um, for me, Eddie Van Halen was, the song that I really loved that he was on was the Michael Jackson song, Beat It. His solo on that, I remember being in high school and just like not understanding how a guitar could sound that cool. Like I just couldn't, it was just mind blowing to me. You know? And of course, I love Van Halen too, but that, I, that song was what stuck out to me when I heard the news, you know, and I, and I know that, you know, for me, I mean, I, I always had obviously a lot of respect for him and, and he did so many cool things, but I know I have some friends who are, really devoted lead players who have been really, you know, hit hard because he was just such a, especially if that's what you were really going after. He had such an innovative, you know, player. And yeah, like, like you said, he really did kind of change the game. And I think he influenced pretty much anyone that played any kind of rock and roll after he came around. So talking about uh, the, the, the year that is 2020 for, for you, how has, uh, how has 2020 looked different and, and maybe what uh, has that inspired you or maybe made you rethink kind of uh, the, the format, if you will? Yeah, man, it's a, it's been crazy. I mean, I, I remember, I think it was February. I was talking to my mom on the phone, uh, talking to mama and just telling her like, you know, the record's done and we're going to put it up this spring. You know, the new agent's great. We got we got all the people right. I mean, it's really excited. It's gonna be a big year for us. We're gonna be touring all around this record. And I felt like everything had come together, you know. And then all of a sudden, every show we have is canceled. You know, the album release is being postponed, and it was just kind of crazy. But at the same time, so at first it was definitely, you know, it was hard at first. But at the same time, 
you know, this whole summer I wasn't on tour, you know, like I normally would have been. And I've had a lot of free time. I've been writing more than I probably ever have. I got lots of new material. I've got, I've learned how to do more with sound recording, you know, I've got things that I've kind of put off for years because I'm usually busy. You know, I've had the time to kind of deep dive into a little bit more. So as frustrating as aspects of it have been and as hard as, you know, some of it's been, and I mean, I certainly miss playing live shows, but at the same time, I've been trying to kind of see the positive in it and remember that, you know, there might not be other time like this where I'm kind of forced to stay still and to try to, you know, try to find some silver linings and uh, find ways that I can kind of improve and enjoy myself that normally would be more difficult if I was on the road. That's right. Now, for, for you, has it been, has the inspiration been harder to find or easier? Man, it's been easier. I, I, I don't know if that's true for everybody. I mean, I, I just, I think, you know, with, for me, like, I always wished, and maybe I'll get better at it, I always wished I could do more of the, like, Bruce Springsteen putting himself in the shoes of this character and writing a song from their perspective. But most of what I write has is at least, you know, somewhat tied into my own my own personal stuff. So, um, so whenever, you know, when you have, like, kind of heavy stuff going on, for me, that usually means it's going to be, you know, better for the writing because I've got a lot to work with, you know, so... I, and again, the time has been nice too. So I'm not, for me, I've been about as creative in this last year as I ever have been, maybe more. Um, but you know, I don't know if that's true for everybody. I think everybody handles things differently. But for me, it's been a good outlet to have all these new songs. I mean, I, we've got I've got more than enough tunes that I've written this year for the next record. So that, that kind of feels good that like at least I'm accomplishing something while I'm just kind of sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Now, now tell our, our listeners just a little bit. The new album, Red Clay Heart, it's coming out uh, on the 30th. Give us a, a little insight uh, into the latest album. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I mean, everybody usually is, I guess, when the record's coming, the record's coming out. But, um, yeah, we, um, yeah, this, this, for this record, it was kind of like we were putting all of our chips on the table. You know, we had been doing this for a while. We got the opportunity to record with Ken Coomer in Nashville, which is just kind of a classic story, you know, like, all right, let's go to Nashville and make the big record, you know. Um, but so, yeah, for us, it was, we just kind of felt like, you know, things have been moving along well, we've kind of been growing, but we, st- we needed to do something big, you know, so we just, it was, it was a great experience. Ken is an awesome person. We just got along so well. And we just went down there a handful of times, like four or five times last year for, you know, three or four days at a time. And just kind of cut the tracks really live. We didn't overproduce anything. There's a lot of there's a lot of raw stuff on that made the record, and and I think it just worked out really well for us because we just kind of leaned into the idea that we're not going to ever be the most polished band. We're not, you know, we're not going for like some really pristine sound. We're really going for more of the kind of the emotion of the songs. And Ken just kind of got that. So it's a lot, you know, it's, it's a pretty eclectic record. There's some there's some heavy, slower, sad stuff. There's some kind of fun, up tempo stuff. But um, it felt like the songs just all kind of fit together well to be on a collection um, together. So I, I don't know. I, I can still listen to it, and not I'm not tired of it yet, which has got to be a good sign because everything else that I've recorded, everything else I've done in the past, you know, I'm like by the time you're, and it might be that partially because I wasn't we weren't in the studio as long, but like you listen to the same thing over and over, you're like, okay, well the record's coming out, and I never want to hear it ever again. <laughs> I'm not tired of this one yet, so that's giving me hope. <laughs> now, now, what uh, have you had to uh, focus on uh, technology a little bit more this time around because of uh, because of you know doing Facebook lives and uh, and making sure to stay connected socially as well? 
Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we finished recording the record before all this started. So from the album's perspective, we didn't need to do anything like that. Cause I've got friends who are learning to record at home because they're not done tracking stuff. But yeah, I mean, as far as not playing shows and trying to keep an audience, you know, we've done some of the live streams. Uh, honestly, that's not my, my favorite way to go about it. I know some people like it. I think some people are kind of tired of them, but, uh, which I can understand. But yeah, you know, we, we try to, you know, you try to be creative and, you know, social media is a really, like, I have a really love-hate relationship because in a way it's, it's great that you can have this free way of, you know, connecting with people and putting up stuff and and promoting your band, sharing your music. But at the same time, I feel like it kind of can be a little bit like, I don't know, people take it a little too seriously or maybe are a little too too worried about it. So it's kind of, I go back and forth on it some, but yeah, I mean, we're just, at this point it's tough. I and mean, we're trying to do a um, local, a local socially distant live show for the album release, um, which I think will be, hopefully that'll be announced tomorrow but um you know we're gonna try to do something live but it's you know it's, it's tough because you know most of my life has been built around playing shows i mean that's really what musicians do the, i mean most musicians in my world that's how they make their money is playing live shows so um you know we're trying to adapt and uh, we try to say you know we try to get better with the technology stuff but at the same time it's kind of a day-by-day -day thing i guess trying to figure out the best the best way to do things in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> the right hashtags to use too right yeah i know it's like we I, I really we just need i need to find like a like a, i don't know like a college kid or someone who's really good at social media to kind of do stuff for us because I, like I, I, don't, I don't mind it but i'm definitely not a i'm not an expert you know we, we we make fun of ourselves a lot for kind of always being behind the eight ball with social media even though we're all you know our band when we started, you know, I'm 30 now, and so I, I should be, you know, I should be totally proficient with this stuff, but it's not, it's not my strongest thing. <laughs> now, the, uh, the the first single and and the video are are available now, uh, way back, and I also want to give you a chance to talk about uh, about the the video and and the process of that as well. Well, that was a lot of fun, man. And, and so, so way back was we knew we wanted it to be our first song on the record and the first the first single. And so, it, you know, for those of you who have who've seen the video, it's a, you know, we've got this, this local woman, Emily Kresge, who's basically playing me in the video. And she, uh, she's just a great musician. She has a band called Dropping Julia here in Charlottesville. And she had told me that she wanted to cover that song. And I, I, I thought that was a really cool idea. And it just kind of came together. And I, I called in a bunch of favors. So we got some really good filmmakers in into our favorite bar, the Whiskey Jar, and we just kind of packed it out one night when they would normally be closed and basically just threw a party. And it was just, it was so much fun. But one of the things that wound up happening was with with the whole 2020 thing, I wound up editing the whole thing myself, which is something I'd never done before. I've always wanted to learn how to do that. And so it took me a long, long time. But I'm just sitting here looking at these images of, my band and a bunch of our friends and fans just dancing and having the best time in this bar all through the spring when we're just not doing anything in our lives. It's kind of, it was kind of tough, you know, because, you know, those, the, my friends know, like, I'm a, I like to be out of the bar. I'm a social guy. And so it was like every day I'm like editing this video, looking at, at oh, we used to have these great times. We used to pack in these cool dive bars and have so much fun. And I guess those days aren't, aren't around anymore. But, um, but it, I, it, it's fun to have it out now because, it, I think it's kind of resonated with people. It reminds them, you know, like, oh, you know, what things were like before all this stuff started. 
That's right. Now, uh, if folks want to find more information, uh, Chamomile and Whiskey, I know you guys got the website, and, and can they pre-order the album as well? Yeah, so if you go, you know, I think, uh, you know, CamomileWhiskey.com, uh, Facebook, I think our Instagram handle is CamomileWhiskey, too. And, yeah, we've got links to pre-order the record. You can find the first couple songs on Spotify. Um, and I think we have another single coming out soon, another video. So we're going to keep kind of leaking stuff until the uh, the day of the of full release. But, um yeah, we'll have all the links and all that kind of stuff up on our social media and our website as well. All right. And again, from Chamomile and Whiskey, I, I don't think I said his last name in the, in the early part, Coda Curl with us. And Coda, it's been great to visit with you this morning, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Looking forward to the, uh, the release date coming up on the 30th. Yeah, man, uh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Again, for more information, visit them online at chamomileandwhiskey.com. Our next guest is director Ken Quapas. He's got the book out uh, called But What I Really Want to Do is Direct uh, Lessons from a Life Behind the Camera, and he's spent a day or two behind the camera. We've got director Ken Quapas on the line with us this morning. And first off, Ken, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Cameron. Thanks for having me. Now, did did you ever think that you were going to sit down and write a book about your life when you first got the dream of uh, of going into uh, to, to directing? <laughs> uh, no, no. This is this this is my first book, uh, and all I can say is what inspired me was well, not only the directing I've done, but you know, over the past few years, I've been mentoring a lot of up and coming directors, and I just felt like there wasn't really a book out there that. And a, I don't know, there wasn't really a book by a working director that, that people could read. So I feel like I have some good good tips to share with up-and-comers. So I started writing it, and it kind of snowballed into both a, I will say, a how-to book, but also a memoir. So it's really, uh, as much as anything, it's my story. Now, now was the, the, the very first break that you got into directing, What uh, was, was it a, a, a smash hit, or, or did it take a minute to, 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 to get to that level, if you will? You know, the first job I had as a director was I directed a, an after-school special, or I'm going to be more specific. It was the, it was called the CBS Afternoon Playhouse, which was CBS's version of the afternoon special, after-school special. And I would say the the great thing about that was it was totally under the radar. It, it allowed me to kind of develop my chops, you know, in re- relative anonymity. But the first feature film I directed uh, in 1985 was entitled Sesame Street Presents Follow That Bird, the first feature film to star the Sesame Street characters. So, you know, pretty soon, uh, right out of the gate, I was working with such luminaries as Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. My, my question is, did, did they prepare you for, uh, for, for the high maintenance that you were going to have to deal with later? <laughs> no, I, no, in fact, no, in fact, it's just the opposite. I would say I was spoiled because the, the, you know Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and Carol Spinney, Carol Spinney, who of course created not only Big Bird but Oscar the Grouch, um, they were so gracious. And 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 I, again, this was my maiden voyage as a feature film director. And I, I only only years later did I realize what uh, a gracious group of collaborators I had right you know from the start. And and who was because it? Because other that... people are more complicated. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, now, now, who was it that uh, that was the first inspiration for directing in the first place? I mean, most people always say, "I, I want to grow up and be in front of the screen," and and you're obviously the opposite. So, so who was the inspiration for that? Well, there was 
wasn't, I mean, there wasn't any, I didn't know any directors. I didn't know any film or TV people. I grew up in a small town in southern Illinois. I just, as a kid, I, I just, at a certain point, I just became very intrigued by the idea that the stories I were, was enjoying, the movies I was enjoying, were being, were, were done by someone, that there was someone, you know, pulling the strings, there was someone making choices uh, that and that sometimes made a story better or not. So I just became, you know, fascinated by who was that person when I was the director. So I, 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 I kind of tuned into that just very early as a kid. And it was is a TV series or or films? Which which of the the, the two is the hardest to prepare for uh, mentally? I guess as 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 a director. You know, they're both they're both challenging in different ways. I mean, again, the great thing about the great thing about feature film stories is that you can follow a character, you know, over the course of one long form story. And and the challenge with feature, uh, excuse me, with series, obviously, is that. It's almost the opposite. You have to kind of, in a way, you know, keep characters and their storylines alive week after week over long stretches of time. I mean, they're just both challenging in different ways. I mean, you know, I will say the one great thing about series is that, you know, if, in, a, in a funny way, if something doesn't work, well, that's okay. You'll, you'll improve it next week. But, you know, so I would say sometimes feature filmmaking, things feel a little more precious but there's something nice and and, and uh, just a little a little bit unpretentious about the television you know making process. And for you, what what do you take the most pride in? Is it is it the finished product? Is it the awards? Or or is it the friendships and the and the the, the, the lifelong relationships that have come as a part of it? Well, I would say the relationships are are the key thing for me, but also you know, and I talk about this a lot in the book. I mean, you can't control the outcome. You know, you can't control what the critics critics are going to say, and you can't control whether anyone buys a ticket or tunes into the show, but you can control the process. And, and for me, the, the, what, for me, my yardstick for success is like, do I improve the process from job to job, from film to film, from, you know, television episode to television episode? So that's, that, that's in a way, the big takeaway from the book is, you know, keep focused on the process don't get hung up on the outcome. And Ken, in times like we're dealing right now, times we've never uh, we've never come across before. Do you do you find times like now harder or or a little easier to find inspiration? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, during the past few months, you know, production on you know film and TV kind of you know ground to a halt. It's starting to come back now, but I feel like in a way, it sort of allowed a lot of creative people to you know, kind of have a moment of introspection. You know, to kind of think about the kinds of stories that can be told in, in this environment. I mean, I, I've been in a lot of discussions with creative people about coming up with stories that involve two characters. You know, and you come up with a good story that only involves one character. Um, because that, that, that may be the only way to get a film or TV show made right now. So I think in a way it was actually, it, 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 it provided a, an opportunity for people to really get creative. That's right. And again, uh, the, the new book, but uh, what I really want to do is direct lessons from a life behind the camera. Ken, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find out not only more about the, the book, but uh, everything else you've got going on as well. Well, I, I do have a website, which is called, but what I really want to do is direct.com. So you can definitely find out information there. And um, 
that's the that's the main place to go. But I I really think that I really am excited about your listeners taking a peek at this book. All right. Well, Ken, it's been great to visit with you. I, I'm looking at the book here. I'm I'm looking forward to spending some more time with it this afternoon myself. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks again. Got Artie Hoffman on the line with us. And uh, first off, Artie, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's It really is. It's my pleasure to be here. And, and Artie, when, when you talk about psychic, being a psychic, when when did you know that you, that, that you had a special ability? Uh, when I was 27 um, is when I found out. Um, I had I had nothing before at the age of 27. And, um, I, you know, I was like your regular average Joe and nobody in my family has what I have. And, um, one day, you know, I had everything going right in my life at the time, but I was very unsatisfied inside. I was, yeah, I was about 27. Yeah, I was 27 years old, very frustrated in my life. And, um, I'm having a little conversation with God and I said, God, I need clear answers. And I said, please don't scare the hell out of me when you give me those answers. And, uh, all of a sudden I, I go into my kitchen and there's a, I look at my junk mail and there's a postcard there and it said, how would you like to develop your psychic ability and intuitiveness? Go to the Edgar Casey foundation in Virginia beach. And um, I said, wow, I didn't learn how to do it. I figured you had it or you didn't. So I asked my wife, who was my wife at the time, want to go to this? looks pretty interesting. I wasn't looking at it like it was the answer to my prayers. I, I did it just for shifts and giggles. And so she said, I don't care about that. She goes, you can go if you want. I'm not interested. I said, all right. So I went away for that one weekend. They taught you how to open up your heart and mind to be 100% unconditional. And... They broke us up into little groups. There was 50 of us in this one large room, and they were, for all, we were from all different parts of the country. And um, so people were telling me how accurate I was with my, with my thoughts. They said, whatever thoughts you get for the other person, don't judge it. Don't worry about it if you don't understand it. Just say what's on your mind. And so when I was with the person, whoever I was with, I would tell people what's on my mind. And people were telling me that I was pretty accurate. And I was like amazed that I could actually meet somebody who I never met before and tell them certain little things about themselves that I never knew before. And uh, it was really, really exciting. So when I went home after that weekend seminar, I got myself a deck of spiritual cards. And I was reading for friends and family for the next few years just for the fun of it. And people were telling me how accurate I was. And so um, I got to a point in my life where I made some investments. I needed to make some extra money uh, to support my investments. And um, so I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking to myself, what can I do to make some extra money other than my regular job that I was doing? Because I also own my own window cleaning power washing business. And I've had that for 36 years. And it's called Peeping Tom's Window Cleaning. How do you like that? <laughs> it shows your sense of humor. There you go. You got to have a sense of humor if you're going to hire me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and on the card, on the card, it literally says binoculars not included. <laughs> so here I am. I'm sitting on the couch, and, and I said, you know what? 
I know how to do readings. Uh, I'll just throw an ad in the paper, and it said, if I don't pull through, no charge. Because I didn't want people to think that I was ripping them off if I wasn't pulling through. But 90% of the people paid me, and, and my career took off just like wildfire, just word of mouth. And uh, little by little, it just kept on getting more and more momentum. And I've been on major popular radio stations. I've been on Fox TV. I performed at Trump Casinos in Atlantic City. Um, I was asked to perform at the Palace of Versailles in France. And, um, yeah, so it was really cool. Around 30 years old, um, my late 20s, early 30s, I was doing stand-up comedy for a little bit in New York. And I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I mean, I was always known as a funny guy. But I didn't feel comfortable being up on stage trying to be funny or to be, to be funny. It just wasn't my thing. But when I speak about spirituality, I'm very comfortable speaking in front of a large group of people because it's not about me. It's not about trying to make people laugh. It's about sharing important information to people and, um, yeah, and giving them beautiful words of wisdom. And I'd be channeling it all. And, um, you know, so many people have, have uh, come up to me thanking me for giving them such insight and to make such a change in their life. So, yeah, so it was really, really cool. And um, like I said, I just felt very grateful for having such a beautiful gift. And, you know, it's not that I'm more special than anybody else. It's just that I had a desire of wanting to learn more and more about it. And the more you get into anything, the better you're going to be, become. So it's like, you know, some people say, oh, Artie, you're so lucky, you know, that you have a gift and that God speaks to you or the angels speak to you. And I wish I had that. And I always tell people it's not who does God choose to speak to, because God speaks to everyone. You know, the angels speak to everyone. It's just who chooses to listen. Now, and that's the key thing. How, how hard was it for you to, 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 to take the reality in whenever you finally opened up and, and you got the realization? Oh, it was like. Right away, it was it was like from that one weekend seminar. It was like at the seminar. And then when I went home, I mean, I got amazed every single time I told somebody and made a prediction about the future, that what was going to happen. And it actually happened. I said, holy crap. And I, I, I would just, I would be amazed because I thought I was just like a little schoolboy telling little white lies to people, just telling them my thoughts and what they want to hear or what I just, I literally thought most of the time I was just making up stories. And then people would be telling me that all this stuff came true. And then uh, same thing with lottery numbers. I'd be giving people lottery numbers and, uh, you know, people ask me for it. I can't give it, but while I'm in a reading, if it comes through, then I share it with everybody. But um, I've easily given out over 100 winning lottery numbers or gambling situations or investments with people over the years. And, um, you know, but it has to come to me naturally. And, uh, yeah, so there's lots of really, really cool stories. Um, I'll share a few of them with you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I was going to ask you to share it, just a, just a few of those. So there's a girl who walks into my place. You know, because people say, you know, are things predestined to happen or do we have a choice? And it's actually a little of both. Uh, there are certain things that are predestined to happen. Come hell to high water, they're going to happen. And um, then there are other times where you have a choice. You know, when you have a heads up in advance of, of what to expect, you have free will of choice of what you choose to do. And um, 
So there are times where people will ask me, hey, Art, you know, what do you see for my relationship? Well, I said, well, if you stay, this is what's going to work. This is what's going to happen. If you choose to leave, this is what's going to happen. If you go with this guy, this is what's going to happen. If you go by yourself, this is what's going to happen. All right, well, what do you see me doing? I said, I don't know. I said, it's your free will and choice. I just told you what to expect according to your choices. So sometimes it goes like that, and other times it's just black and white. This is what I see happening. So um, any case, um, this girl walks into my place, and as soon as she walked into my place, she said, Artie, because I've been thinking about you every single day for the last two years. I go, really? And, uh, I mean, not that I was, you know, I was flattered that she's, you know, somebody's thinking about me that much, but not on a sexual note, but I was flattered. So, so, um, I said, all right, so, you know, why were you thinking about me for the last two years? She says, I came here and I saw you two years ago. I don't remember who I read for. I don't remember what I say to people. Um, most psychics, mediums don't have a good memory. They don't. It's just like when we're with the person in the moment, that's it. We disconnect. I, at least for me, I could speak. I disconnect because I don't want to be emotionally attached to anybody's garbage or, 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 or karma or whatever. So I'm with you in the moment. I'm giving you all this information. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm in a different state of mind. So this girl comes in and she says, you read for me here two years ago. And I remember that. And we sat at this table and you held my hand. And you said to me, you started singing the song to me. As soon as you held my hand, you started singing the song by ACDC. Highway to hell. I'm going to highway to hell. You started singing that song to me as soon as you held my hand. And you said to me, if I don't stop doing what I'm doing, I'm going to get caught real soon. And uh, I'm going to end up in jail. And you, you kept on advising me, stop doing what I should not be doing. And she goes, and a week later, I got caught at doing something I should not have been doing. And I got thrown in jail for two years. And every day I woke up and I, you know, she went to jail and she goes, every day I woke up and I said, why didn't I listen to Artie? Why didn't I listen to Artie? And, um, you know, so she had a choice. You know, there are times where I might see accidents in the future. It doesn't have to happen because I'm giving me a heads up to be defensive, you know, um, there's a lady, you know, I wrote a book called Angels and Answers, and this story's in the book. Now, and, is, it, um, is it hard for you to share bad news, if you will? I mean, obviously, you, you, you want to try to, to, to lift people's spirits, but does it get easier with time, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, it's not so much as what you say, but it's how you say and how you come across. So if I'm going to uh, if I'm going to deliver, I'll say hard news. I call bad news hard news. If I deliver hard news to someone, then I usually give them the solution on how to overcome it or what to expect so that they could. So I put them I put people in an emotional, healthy state of mind. So I, I give them. So when I see shit about to happen with them, what I do is I. Um, you know, I tell them the antidote. I tell them, you know, what to do or how to do it. Now, when you're emotionally invested in someone or something, just because I'm giving you the answers doesn't mean you're still going to do the right thing because you're emotionally invested. The ego wants what it wants. So, you know, um, you know, but logically, from my point of view, from what I see, from what the spiritual world is telling me, you don't want to do this and you don't want to do that. 
or maybe you want to try this, you want to try that. So, you know, like I said, people will go after what it is they really want. But if you're smart, you'll listen to your gut. You'll listen to what I have to say or what the spiritual world has to say, you know, because I'm just the messenger, you no. know, so... Uh, now, Artie, is it is it something that 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 you're able to channel at will, or is it something that uh, that that it comes upon you and and you maybe aren't expecting it? Well, when I first started this, it would just come to me out of left field. Uh, it wasn't at will; it just happened. I would get these thoughts and premonitions about people. That's how I met my second wife. Um, I kept on getting these premonitions about her, and and I was married at the time, and she was engaged at the time. And I said, there's no way I'm ever going to be with her, nor did I even think like that. We were just uh, friendly acquaintances at the time. And um, and I shared with her information because when I was going to bed, I kept on getting messages. You got to tell her this. You got to tell her that. You got to tell her this. You got to tell her that. And like for two days in a row, I couldn't go to sleep because this spirit kept on telling me to tell her things. So I called – I called uh, – my well, she was my friend at the time, who later on became my wife. But um, I called her up and I said, "Kath, I said, um, I, I got some spiritual message for you." I said, "It's none of my business." I said, "Do you want me to tell you what I saw, or do you want me to just let it go?" And she goes, "No, go for it." So I started talking to her for like ten minutes straight. And I'm telling her all these things, what I'm getting, and she's just sitting there quietly listening to what I have to say. And we were talking by phone. I didn't, I wasn't with her in person. And so, and so I said to her after I got finished talking, I said, is there anything that I said that made sense to you whatsoever? Cause I, I have no clue what I just told you. I, I'm only telling you these feelings and these emotions and what you're going through. And she goes, it's really interesting. She goes, you're telling me things only I know. She goes, my best friends don't know. My fiance doesn't know. My parents, she goes, nobody knows what you just told me except me and you. And uh, I got a shot throughout my spine in that moment when she told me that. And then um, I started, you know, developing feelings for this girl. And uh, so I met up with another friend of mine who is also very psychic. And I felt like crap because now I'm with a, a woman who I really didn't want to be with at the time. And it wasn't because of this girl because I've already had these strange, weird feelings going on about my relationship. I like, you know, I was there, I was trying to make it work and it was just very difficult for me emotionally. And I got tired of playing the game. I really did. But then I go to meet my other friend. It was very psychic. Her name was Charlotte. And I knock on her door and I'm feeling like crap inside because I don't know what to do with these emotions or feelings. So as soon as she opened the door, she looked at me, she goes, Hey, Art, how you doing? You look great. I go, I do. She goes, congratulations. You look like you just met your soulmate. I go, really? She blew me out of the water. And then she told me what was, what was to be with my relationship and how I was going to end up being with this one. I said, I cannot see that at all. I could not see myself getting a divorce. I couldn't see myself being with this other girl. She was like flawlessly drop-dead gorgeous. She was a runner-up for Miss Wisconsin back in the day, literally. And uh, she was a world travel model. I said, there's no way someone like me is going to get a girl like her. And lo and behold, thank God for personality. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I mean, not that I'm, 
I mean, put it this way. It's not that I'm a bad looking guy in a sense, you know, but I, I, I never put myself as a GQ, but, um, you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, just life just so happened that, that we ended up being together and it was pretty cool. You know, and like I was saying to you, I started talking to you about my, my book. I wrote a book called Angels and Answers. You know, you can get it on uh, my website, artiehoffman.com. But so in my book, Angels and Answers, um, there's a story in there. And I'm doing a reading for this one girl at a party. I, I do parties also besides private readings that I do for the public. I'm just as accurate over the phone as I am in person. So if people called me up for a reading... I would be just as accurate over the phone as I am in person. So anyway, uh, so I'm doing a party. I call them arty parties. So I'm doing a party at this one person's house, and I'm reading for this one lady. Now, when I connect to the other side, when I'm connecting to people's deceased loved ones, that's known as a medium. A psychic predicts the past, present, and future and will tell you outcomes. A medium is someone who communicates to the deceased, people who passed away, and I communicate with angels. So when I communicate to the deceased, to the to uh, the other side, I'll tell you, you know, let me look at a picture of whoever you want to talk to. And when I look in their eyes, they start communicating thoughts to me. So I'm looking at this girl's mother's picture. And at the end of her reading, it was a half hour was up. And I'm giving her all this information about her mother and about her life and yada, yada, yada. So at the end of the reading, she said to me, she goes, you know, Art, she goes, I'm having a really hard time believing the fact that you're actually connecting to my mother, that you're talking to my mother. I said, well, I can only tell you what the spiritual world shares with me. She goes, well, she goes, some of the things that you told me were specific, you know, that I give you credit that, you know, that no one else would know, but, you, you know, that you're telling me. But um, also, you know, you told me some general things that could relate to anybody, but, but it did have to do with my mom. And she goes, but I don't know. I'm just having a hard time believing that you're actually communicating to my mother herself. So I said, well, I said, let me look at your mother's picture one last time. I'll see what she could come up with. So I looked at her mother's picture and I said to her, your mom is showing me cows. She goes, what do you want me to do with that? I said, I don't know. Your mom's showing me cows. So in my eyes, mind, I saw all the cows getting up and they were all mooing. And so I looked at her and I said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but moo. And she started to cry. She started to get all teary eyed. And I go, what's the matter? And she points to her mother's picture and she said, that's her name. I go, what are you talking about? Her name's Muriel, but everyone called her moo. I said, there you go. Here's your picture. Now get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Artie, if, if folks want to find more information, like you said, not only about the book, but uh, about your readings and uh, about shows, I know eventually some shows are, are have got to be coming back soon, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do a, a Sunday night Facebook live show. Every Sunday night I do free readings for the public. called It's called Angels and Answers. So if you went to my website, Artie Hoffman, Angels and Answers, You'll see, you'll see um, my Facebook live show that I, I read for people for an hour for free every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And, um, yeah, so my, my website is artiehoffman.com. Uh, you could email me, artiehoffman at gmail, if you want to get a hold of me personally or if you want to have a reading or a party. 
Uh, I also do fundraisers, and uh, my uh, number, uh, I mean, my, uh, my email is artiehoffman at gmail. My website's artiehoffman.com, and my phone number to reach me at is 732-778-7173. So that's the way to get a hold of me. And if you want the book or if you want to have a party or a reading or speaking. So, and I have fun with it. I do have fun with it. Um, you know, when I'm up there speaking, I'm a psychic and I'm like Billy Crystal all in one. I'm, I, I joke around a lot while I give the messages. And, uh, but when it comes to real serious, serious stuff, I mean, I do get to the point, you know? So. And again, but, um, yeah, it's, it's it, very cool. I feel very blessed. And again, the website is uh, artiehoffman.com. And uh, Artie, I appreciate you taking some time to, to get introduced. Uh, hopefully we can have a, a, a revisit in a couple of weeks, maybe in a month, and uh, and have you back on. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Artie, you have a great rest of your week, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Sounds like a plan, my friend. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. And our final guest of the episode is legendary Olympic skater Scott Hamilton. We'll be talking about his Live Your Days platform. Always good to visit with our friends. We've got Olympic gold medalist Scott Hamilton on the line. And Scott, uh, good to talk to you again, my friend. Well, it's great to talk to you. This is awesome. What a great day today is. That that's right, and and Scott, I want to talk about. Uh, but boy, this is timely as well. The uh, the the Live Your Days platform that launched on Tuesday, and Scott, where did this come for for you, or is this just kind of the mantra that you've been living by anyway? Well, it's you know kind of. I guess when your days are threatened, you kind of appreciate them a little bit more. And I always like to you know sort of mention my unique hobby of collecting life threatening illnesses and. Um, it's not one I recommend. I think stamps and coins, especially coins now, I guess, um, would be a much better hobby to get into. But, you know, it came out of um, four years ago I was diagnosed with my third brain tumor. And uh, and it was really interesting. Um, this one, you know, the first one ignited my faith. The second one just felt like I got kicked in the stomach. And the third one, was it, it, my response to it was just really different. It was, it was like, okay, I'm not symptomatic. They found it on a scan. So um, I think I'm just going to press pause right here, right now. And there was something in the back of my mind that just, it really just gets strong. And so I, I didn't know if it meant physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. So I kind of chose all the above, and I just decided to just to live and just to, you know, get healthy and, and be busy and be productive. And and um, it was amazing that I did an interview for People.com and right right after the diagnosis. And whatever I said, however I said it, you know, I, I chose to be joyful in that reality that I'm dealing with another brain tumor, especially after the, the previous one was one surgery that became nine. And it was a really rough, rough patch. But this time, I, I just chose to look at it differently. And and I, I in, in that interview, I reminded people that you know our our bodies are incredibly fragile, um, but they're also phenomenally resilient, but ultimately temporary. And so we've got to just take advantage of our days. We got to live our days. And 
it was funny that, you know, we thought maybe if we got like 10,000 shares on that, on that interview that we were doing our job and we're, you know, helping people. It was shared 35 million times. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're, there's something here that needs to be heard. And, and it didn't feel right. You know, we, we created the Live Your Days platform then, and it just didn't feel right to do it then. It just, there's a lot of other things going on. And, and so during COVID, um, you know, the people I was working with four years ago, we reconnected and we said, you know, now, now, now we need to really build and present this thing because people are suffering and they need to be encouraged and they need to be reminded that, you know, so much of our lives right now is that the tails wagging the dog and, and man, no, we're the dog and, and we wag the tail. And so it's, we need to, you know, just be reminded and rise up and, and just understand the power and the opportunity that each day presents and, and to not let it slip by, you know, you know, we need to live our lives fully. Um, and, you know, if we, if we can, you know, collect our, our really great days, it becomes a, a life well lived, you know. And, and so um, Live Your Days is an encouragement digital platform, and it's a podcast, and it's a store, and it's, uh, you know, where we can, you know, have these things that remind us to live our days. And, and the store part of it is really cool because the shop, I should say, uh, because, um, the you know, percentage of the proceeds goes directly to cancer research and my CARES Foundation. So, you know, we're trying to do good for people and, and in that do good in the community and, and try to save lives and, and to remind people that this is, this is precious. Today is amazing and incredible and an opportunity, and, and uh, we just got to take it by the horns and, and, and just make it happen. And Scott, how have uh, how have you personally been been living your days? I mean, I, I know it's been uh, distant for everybody, but uh, but just an example for for folks to even when they can't get out and do anything, uh, maybe an example of something that you guys were able to fill time with. Well, you know, it's funny. I I travel too much. I work too much, and. I take on too much, and uh, when when the kind of the quarantine lockdown happened, oh my goodness, uh, my my direct day to day interaction with my children was spectacular. We we have dinner on the table every night. We cook together. We we play cutthroat Uno. We we would share, you know, kind of our our joys and fears, and and it was so important that that time happened, especially now because they're high schoolers and, you know, tweens, and um, and it was just such a precious time for us, and, and we chose to, to take advantage of it and to do really fun things. You know, I'd, I'd binge watch a show with my youngest son, and then we'd, you know, finish that one, and we'd start a new one, and, you know, we, we would just go on walks, and, and it was just... It was just amazing, and it was great. And in that, you know, we're building Live Your Days while we're doing that. And and it was just, you know, a reminder um, that, you know, we've got to encourage each other, and we've got to, you know, um, uh, invest in each other. And, you know, my coach would always tell me the human is a social animal. We cannot survive without each other. And, and you know, during these lockdown quarantine periods, you know, we, we a lot of people were forced into isolation, and it's unhealthy, and it's... And it's awful. So building this platform, we really wanted to, um, 
just pour into other people's lives and remind them, you know, who they are and what their, you know, whatever their mission is in life, they should get to it. And, and um, you know, if you're going to build a, a, a strong foundation in your life, it's on four legs, right? One is physical. you got to take care of your body. Another is emotional. you got to take care of your heart um, and the way that, you know, you're able to appreciate yourself. Another one is intellectual and be interested in things and be interested in growing your understanding of, of you know, the world around you. And the last one is spiritual and you know, really, really celebrating who you are um, to a living, loving creator and, you know, how um, every life is meant to be redeemed and celebrated and, uh, and, and lived joyfully and productively and abundantly. So, you know, we, we've really um, had a great time building this. There's a 30-day challenge in there where people can sign up, and every day they'll, they'll get a, uh, another challenge that's meant to kind of shore them up and, and to nourish them in some really profound way. So we're really excited. And Scott, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can uh, where they can get in touch with the uh, the Live Your Days platform as well. Well, it's liveyourdays.com. I mean, we were really lucky that we got the URL. <laughs> so it's liveyourdays.com. And in there, you know, you can navigate to the different platforms, things that I do. Um, like my, you can navigate to my CARES Foundation from there. And, and uh, you know, in this time, we've seen so many nonprofits um, just, crumble and you know we were really lucky that you know we're small enough to survive this but we're large enough that we've had you know great impact and and you know it's it's uh you know it's a beautiful thing our you know the first episode was kind of me introducing the live your days um platform and then next week um robin roberts is going to be helping us celebrate uh, breast cancer awareness and um, after that, my dear friend Marcus Whitney, who's an entrepreneur, who's one of the owners of the Nashville Soccer Club. Um, and then after that, you know, I mean, we got, you know, Kevin Nealon and Bart Miller to Mercy Me and Christy Yamaguchi and uh, all these incredible perspectives and, and kind of against all odds lives that they've lived. You know, how do you become an Olympic ladies champion when you're born with club feet? And, you know, um, how do you become... Uh, a comedic actor without even really knowing how to tell a joke. And how do you become a host of Good Morning America? (laughs) You know, when you're, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to hear these life stories and, and, um, and to be inspired, you know, by the fact that putting one foot in front of the other, you know, pretty soon you've, you know, you've kind of finished a marathon, you know, and, and, uh, it's a, it's just an amazing platform, and I and I hope it does the work that we've designed it to do. Well, Scott, I'm sure it will, and uh, appreciate all the work that you do to give back. And always great to visit with you, Scott. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and look forward to visiting again real soon, my friend. Well, God bless you, and and uh, live your days. Again, thanks for joining us for this episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. And if you ever have a comment, a question, or anything else you'd like to know, find me on Instagram. Twitter, and on my Facebook page, at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help with the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. Also, if you have a special guest idea, be sure and drop me an email, Cameron at KWHW.com. We'll see you for episode 29 coming up tomorrow.